Welcome to Horror Originals podcast. I am Mansi and I am your storyteller. This is the third episode of Horror Originals podcast, season 1, Behind the Wheel. MBA has been great for me. I got amazing grades in finance. I backed a coveted job in the treasury department of a major bank and I found a flatmate who is a nosy or anything. He's a doctor. He's almost always at work or studying surgery, psychology or human brain anatomy. He comes across as weird to others, but not to me. We drink beer together when he's home on Sundays. I tell him about the world of finance and he tells me about the world of emergency response. His name is Manav and I am Marshall. Our door reads Hail Marshall Manav. Funny, right? That's my creativity. Who says finance people are not creative? I'm all sorts of creative. Ask Manav, though he will treat you with a neutral yeah. That way, he's strange even to me. Nothing seems to interest him or surprise him. He never seems happy or sad or nostalgic. He doesn't talk about his girlfriend with a sigh or a blushing cheek. But that's Manov and his analytical calm behavior. His energy is a straight horizontal line on a graph. I think it's his work. You cannot treat emergency patients with emotions or an OMG attitude. Just like I can't lose my calm when numbers don't match up. Manav's job requires from him more than anyone I know, and he does it perfectly. Manav sees the real shit every day. Probably that's the reason why he wasn't affected a few weeks back when a kid died under his knife. He has lost a few people before too, but never a little child of six. I thought he'd be wrung over it when over dinner. He told me what had happened. I didn't know how to react at first. My own heart was beating fast and tears were burning in my eyes as he described the injury, its cause and how the child looked at him in a state of half consciousness just before dying. If it was me, I'd be depressed. Manav, however, after recounting every detail and his learning from the incident, continued to eat his steak and scroll down Netflix. I didn't understand him. I even resented him for a minute. But then how is one to know the exact feeling or thought in another man's mind? I breathed a heavy sigh and left my plate half full. My stomach was in knots as contrary to him. Even the next day was dark for me. Don't tell me about your patients anymore. I told him later at dinner. Not if they die or don't have a happy ending. He watched me with his usual sharp and scanning eyes. Why? I feel uncomfortable. I'm not used to watching people die, so when you tell me about their suffering and death, I imagine it without wanting to. Oh, no problem. It's how it is though, and that's how it always will be. Such things shouldn't affect you. He said unperturbed. All I could do was to shut my mouth and keep my jaws from falling. So shocked was I. 
He stated such a bitter truth in a casual tone. His voice didn't shake. I couldn't feel comfortable for days after that. It was only a few weeks later that I started to drink beer with him again. We would watch Netflix. I would make careful conversations about my work and he would sit with a little smile as if nothing had ever happened. I never thought I'd get to really know him in the following days in a way I didn't want to that I would see him clearly. A month later, I got a smart TV delivered to watch Netflix on a better screen. Unfortunately for me, I was late from work and had to carry it myself. The lift wasn't working. It was almost past midnight. The security guard had handed the package to me and asked me to arrange for a weekend delivery from the next time onwards. Sir, we are small people. If anything happens, we get blamed, he reasoned. I'm sure he was able to breathe after hours because I took the costly load off his mind and carried it away. It was a 16-inch flat screen. I didn't think it would be tough to carry the TV two floors upstairs, so I went with it. Step, step, and step. One by one, I climbed up the stairs. The TV was in my arms like a darling, and I watched the steps in front by stretching my neck to my side. It seemed to have been clean that day, thankfully. After months of dirt, we had clean stairs in the building. It was possible they cleaned it because the lift was under repair. Something round came under my shoes, perhaps a nail, and I slipped from the topmost part of the stairs. The world slipped under me and I crashed down the edge of a step with a mass of glass and metal in my arms. First, I fell sideways, cracking my skull and spraying the spotless stairs with warm blood like a canvas painted with raging sunset colors. Then, I crashed my face into the screen of the TV. The weight of it pushed me down with ferocity I bumped into a few stairs, head, spine, arms, shoulders and all. The pain was unbearable, searing like never before when I cracked my skull. After that, it mellowed. I couldn't feel anything much. I lay limp and sprawled oddly over the stairs like a broken egg. I could, however, see everything despite being cracked open. I could hear people opened the doors and come out, I could feel my battered breathing. Surely, the fall had echoed throughout the building. The only good part was that I saw Manav coming up the stairs with his mobile pressed against an ear. He had called an ambulance and had then asked a friend to be ready for an emergency surgery. He squatted beside me, taking his bag off his shoulder and looked down at me. A sharp, scanning look. I can't move you, Marshall. You are very badly hurt, he said and watched me with the same platonic face he always had. His eyes were analyzing my skull. You are paralyzed. Your neck is broken. I can see your cranium in shards and your brain is bleeding. You will not recover from this. Agony flooded my being. I wanted to scream 
flay my hand against his face, but I could only glare at him and curse his insensitivity voicelessly. Is that how he treated his patients? Calm down, he told me as he checked my pulse. Otherwise, you'll only bleed out faster. He had some first aid material with him that he used on me. There wasn't a frown on his face or desperation in his methods. People stood at a distance, scared and distraught. Did I look that bad? I wonder. In that moment, Manav had said something in a hushed voice. Something that made me freeze in shock. I'll tell you what, after. The ambulance arrived and Manav accompanied me inside. The driver rushed and the siren blared. People inside the ambulance scrambled and Manav helped them. We reached the hospital and I was taken in a stretcher at full speed. Everyone who saw me gasped and looked at one another. The doctors around me had wide eyes under stressed frowns and covered in an aura of hopelessness. They said things like, keep faith and stay with me. Not Manav. Not once. He never said anything after his phone call. When he was on the stairs, waiting for the ambulance beside me, he knew. He had called someone and said, Hey, you were looking for a flat, right? Mine just got a room free. Can you come look this Sunday? I forgot about the pain, my blood soaking in my shirt, or how stupid I was to carry that TV upstairs. I could only think about how my flatmate didn't care that I was still alive. I couldn't believe why he would say that instead of motivating me to stay awake. The lights above the operation table were blinding. I couldn't hear much, only some steel instruments clashing on a metal tray. Voices echoed and became distant. At my sides, I could see the doctors, including Manav, do something to my head. I was losing consciousness. I felt drugged, dizzy and low on blood sugar or blood itself. I looked at Manav, at his unblinking eyes and his smooth face. He looked back at me, just as he would while eating dinner. Our eyes were locked for a few seconds. Then I went blind. When I got up, I was light, lighter than air because I could float. I could see everything and touch nothing. No one could see me or hear me. I didn't exist anymore for them. I floated to the hospital where I last saw Manav without thinking. There was a blazing sun on my back, but I couldn't feel the heat. I watched him from outside as he ate his lunch in the hospital canteen. He was scrolling through his phone and chewing on a salad unaffected by the bitter truth or by the absence of a person he once knew and lived with. On the other days, I might have felt angry, but in that moment, I felt nothing. The hot sun didn't make me frown, regrets didn't make me sigh, and shame didn't make me squirm. The colors didn't make me smile. I didn't feel happy, sad, or nostalgic. I didn't miss my family or my girl. I didn't feel bad having broken my TV or having died on that table. I didn't feel. In death, I had just become like Manav. I think he's on the wrong side of the wheel 
and me i am somewhere in the middle i just am in this world like a thought without feeling and a body without heart like apathy thanks for listening to my story all the way if you want to hear more spine chilling stories follow horror originals do share and leave your thoughts in the comments a small note on the copyright for the background music used please do not add this audio content to the youtube content id system i have used background music owned by fasilian studios tune back in next week i'll see you then